0: This is Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. And the title of today's message is The Inescapable Sovereignty of God. Uh, This is actually a topic I haven't preached on uh, in quite a few years. I actually came across these notes. I think they were from 2016 or 2017 that I'm going to be referring to today. And I've uh, rewritten them. And uh, it is a topic that I think we should touch on. Uh, just every once in a while because it is one of those topics that we wrestle with uh, as believers and one of those topics that uh, can be so divisive uh, in Christianity if it's not understood correctly. Uh, I've been promising to get back into the book of Galatians and I plan on doing that. Uh, I've really just been enjoying studying the book of Galatians. I'm reading a lot of different uh, books and commentary on it right now, and I just want to take my time on each sermon from that book. So um, really, if I don't feel like I'm totally uh, as prepared as I want to be as I work through that book on a Saturday, then I just uh, decide on something that I do have a better grasp of, and I preach on that on Sunday. And that's why I just decided to preach on the inescapable sovereignty of God today, uh, because I just didn't feel like the sermon, uh, the next sermon in Galatians was at the point I wanted it to be at uh, when I actually preach it. So hopefully I think next Sunday we'll have the next one ready from Galatians. Um, Let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to gather here, uh, brothers and sisters, at a distance to hear from your word, uh, to study your doctrines, uh, to hear from your truth. And Lord, I ask that you would bless this message today, that everyone that hears it would be blessed by it, that you would strengthen and edify believers through it, that you would correct any errors in understanding, uh, that you would bless us with your Holy Spirit to open our ears and our hearts and our minds and our spirits in a supernatural way to grasp such a profound, and deep topic as your sovereignty uh, and the power of your will working in us and all of creation I uh, just thank you and i praise you in jesus name amen okay so the title of the message the inescapable sovereignty of god and i'm going to start with a quote from lorraine uh, bettner in the reformed doctrine of predestination page 32 where she says, although the sovereignty of God is universal and absolute, it is not the sovereignty of blind power. It is coupled with infinite wisdom, holiness, and love. And this doctrine, when properly understood, is a most comforting and reassuring one. Who could not prefer to have his affairs in the hands of a God of infinite power, wisdom, holiness, and love, Rather than to, to have them left to fate or chance or irrevocable natural law or to short-sighted and perverted self, those who reject God's sovereignty should consider what, the alter- what alternatives they have left. And I re- just really think that gives us a lot to think about as we move into this sermon. The, uh, the other option, if we are not blessed to exist within God's sovereignty— is really horrific to consider. To struggle to completely understand the sovereignty of God uh, makes sense because we are seeking to understand the mind of the perfect and holy eternal creator with the mind of a fallen, sinful, and finite creature. I don't believe we will fully understand God's sovereignty on this side of heaven, and any understanding that we are blessed with is through the supernatural revealing Of the Holy Spirit. And what I'm trying to get across there is what I alluded to earlier. This topic is so, what I call, God minded that I believe it's impossible for the natural human mind to grasp the truth completely of the sovereignty of God. And any measure of understanding that we are given of that truth is a supernatural understanding that we're blessed with through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. now my initial thoughts when considering the sovereignty of God and man's will, these are just some some quick thoughts that I came up with. And the first one in the modern church that, that we come up with, whenever you talk about God's sovereignty versus man's free will, Is uh, Arminianism, which states that you can only become a Christian if you have made an independent choice to become a Christian. Basically, our choice to accept Christ precedes our being born again, faith, and belief and trust in Christ, that everything hinges on that decision. And as you'll see as we go through this today, I'm sorry, folks, if that's what you believe. It is not biblical. It is another gospel. And I really, uh, I believe it to be heresy. Now, is that accusation too harsh to call Arminianism heresy? Is that accusation too harsh? And if you think so, if, if it's offensive for you to hear that, just consider this. If God's absolute sovereignty is the basis for the doctrines of grace, And the complete message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, wouldn't rejecting it be a severe error? And I think anyone would agree that it would, because I firmly believe after studying this issue and this topic for years, and I don't fully understand it, that if we start chiseling away at the absolute sovereignty of God, it will eventually begin to corrupt the message of the gospel. And Christian doctrines that hinge on that. And I think you'll see that all down through the history of the Christian church if you look for it. Galatians 1, 6-7 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And I firmly believe that the Arminian false teaching is a distortion of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Human prideful nature rebels against God's sovereignty. Man's free will does not exist outside of God's will. God's sovereignty encompasses all of universal creation. No human has ever made a decision that has been outside of the sovereignty of God. It is inescapable. Now think about that. I'll repeat that last sentence. No human has ever made a decision that has been outside of the sovereignty of God. It's never happened. God's justice is not affected or dependent upon the will and choice of man. Now, if you say that your salvation rests on your decision consciously to either accept or reject Christ, that everything hinges on that, then God's justice would have to hinge on that conscious, willful decision of man. The sentence of condemnation has already been decided according to God's law. John 3.18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So what we see there is that you're not condemned because you reject Jesus Christ. You are already condemned, and Jesus Christ is your salvation out of that condemnation that you were born into. Those eternally condemned are in need of mercy and grace, not an opportunity. God does not have to provide man's free will and opportunity to choose Christ. It would be futile to do so. If it were up to us, we would never come to Christ. We would never accept Him as Savior. Our human condition is incapable of being reconciled to God. If Christ's sacrifice on the cross, if the atonement was simply an offer put out to every human being that ever existed, Our human nature would never allow one single human to accept the sacrifice of Christ and place trust and faith in Him. We follow Christ as our Lord and Savior because He saved us, not because we want Him to save us. By the time we believe and follow, it has already happened. We follow because we are drawn and we follow in gratitude, and that is where our good works spring from. The reason Christ used the term you must be born again is because you do not have any say-so over your birth. We are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are brought to belief, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ. It all stems from the act of God in that rebirth, that regeneration that happens outside of our will and outside of our control. God's eternal plan of salvation does not hinge on the free will of fallen creatures all fell in adam and the elect are risen and saved in christ hebrews 8:10 says for this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their their God, and they shall be my people. Another picture of regeneration and the change that it makes in the new creation in Jesus Christ. Uh, The Protestant Reformation addressed the issue that's before us today. The thematic reference Bible defines the term Reformation as the process of bringing religious practices and beliefs back into line with the Word of God. The Word of God and absolutely nothing else is what defines the truths of God. So, if we're going to be able to grasp this very deep, profound topic that's before us today, the sovereignty of God, the only way that you're going to get any inkling of understanding of this is through god's word and it's being revealed to you through the power of the holy spirit so according to god's word is god in control of absolutely everything that happens first of all consider that man or that god is completely perfect he's completely perfect in his nature and he's completely perfect in his character Daniel 32.4 says the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. In his word, Psalm 12.6 says the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. In his will and providence, James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change in his knowledge. Job 37.16 says, do you know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? Uh, Psalm 139.4 says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Second. Consider that God's will is the final ground of all things. Daniel 4.35 says, All the the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the, the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? God is the final ground of government. Proverbs 121 says, at the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. God's will is the final ground of Christ's suffering. Luke 22, 42 says, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. God's will is the final ground of election and reprobation. Romans 9.18 says, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. God's will is the final ground of regeneration. James 1.18 says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God's will is the final ground of sanctification. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's will is the final ground of the sufferings of believers. 1 Peter 3.17 says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. God's will is the final ground of life and destiny. James 4.15 says, Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. God's will is the final ground of even the smallest events and actions. Matthew 10, 29, 30 says are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Nothing in all of creation can happen or come about without God's knowledge and will down to the smallest microscopic detail. Nothing happens without the ordination of God, because then events would happen at random, and it is very clear all through Scripture that God works according to His plan and design. No human in all of time has ever been outside of the stream of God's eternal plan. Every breath Every heartbeat, every subatomic vibration at the minutest quantum level throughout all eternity has happened within and according to the will, control, design and plan of God. Acts 17:28 says, "In God we live and move and have our being." Think of that verse when you try to think of human will being outside of the control of God. How could you ever reconcile it with Acts 17:28, "In him we live" And move and have our being. As believers, we take comfort in the truth that in any trouble, God is in control and that everything is ordained and commanded by God and we are in his hands. Nothing is left to chance. Albert Einstein said, God does not play dice with the universe. He saw that there was a design and a majesty and a beauty within the creation that he was uncovering through his study of physics. Common grace sustains even the vilest unbeliever in their hatred and rebellion against God. Without God sustaining an act of power over the evil of this world, the human race would destroy itself in ways that would make Hitler appear timid. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6-7 says, And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so. Until he is out of the way, Psalm 104, 27 through twenty nine says, "These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust." Psalm one fifteen three says, "Our God is in the heavens; He does all that He pleases." Every human ever born has been blessed by God's common grace. The most vile creatures in the history of the world were blessed to open their eyes every morning by the grace of God and to breathe and to have a heartbeat and to have the vibration and the energy of life within them. God is working now. God didn't lay out a plan, provide a savior, and then retire until judgment day to see who chose well. Abraham understood and had faith in the fact that God's providence was constantly being carried out by God in action when he believed that God would provide. Genesis 22.8 says, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. God still works in every detail as he always has. In the 16th century, John John Calvin made the following reply to an address by Jacopo Sadoletto, a Roman Catholic cardinal. Calvin stated, it is, not, it is not very sound theology to confine a man's thoughts to so much to himself, and not to set before him as the prime motive of his existence zeal to illustrate the glory of God. We are born first of all for God and not for ourselves. As all things flow from him and subsist in him, so says Paul in Romans 11.36, they ought to be referred. To him, and the Romans eleven thirty six says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And you start to see how we are stripping away the glory that is due God. If we say my salvation is because I made a conscious decision according to my will to accept Jesus Christ, that is ascribing glory to us that should only be ascribed to God. Regarding being born again and the doctrine of election, does not man have a say in the decision to be saved? How can God condemn someone if they have not had the opportunity to either accept or reject his son Jesus Christ? The sentence of condemnation, as I mentioned earlier, has already been decided according to God's law. God does not have to justify himself on judgment day. John 3.18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Romans 9.27 and 28 says, And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. I have heard Arminians say, they've told me personally when discussing this issue issue that if every human being is not given a willful conscious decision to either accept or reject jesus christ then god cannot stand just before the angels on judgment day he cannot be justified himself there that is nowhere in scripture that is absolutely erroneous and it's contrary to everything about god's attributes and character and the gospel of jesus christ god is justified if he doesn't save anyone we are, not, we are saved from his justice through the sacrifice and the atonement of Jesus Christ and the work that he carried out on Calvary. This is where it gets tricky. We do make a choice to follow Jesus Christ, but that choice follows on our being born again and brought to believe through faith by grace. Without God's divine working by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel, our choice would always be to reject Jesus Christ. Roman 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Acts 13 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So are humans, in essence, simply automatons without a will and volition of their own? Not at all. We have our own will and volition, but that will and volition exist within the sovereignty of God. There is no way to comprehend will and volition of human beings outside the sovereignty of God because it's never existed in all of creation. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Charles Spurgeon, from a sermon he delivered on May 4, 1856, entitled Divine Sovereignty, said, There is no attribute of God more comforting to his children than the doctrine of divine sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe troubles, they believe that sovereignty hath ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them, and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which the children of God ought more earnestly to contend than the dominion of their master over all creation." the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit on that throne. On the other hand, there is no doctrine more hated by worldlings, no truth of which they have made such a football as the great, stupendous, but but yet most certain doctrine of the sovereignty of the infinite Jehovah. Men will allow God to be everywhere except upon his throne. They will allow him to be in his workshop to fashion worlds and to make stars. They will allow him to be in his al- almonry to dispense his alms and bestow his bounties. They will allow him to sustain the earth and bear up the pillars thereof, or light the lamps of heaven, or rule the waves of the ever-moving ocean. But when God ascends his throne, his creatures then gnash their teeth. And we proclaim, and when we proclaim an enthroned God and his right to do as he wills with his own, to dispose of his creatures as he thinks well, without consulting them in the matter, then it is that we are hissed and execrated, and then it is that men turn a deaf ear to us, for God on his throne is not the God they love. They love him anywhere better than they do when he sits with his scepter in his hand and his crown upon his head. But it is God upon the throne that we love to preach. It is God upon his throne whom we trust. All the doctrines of the Christian faith, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone through faith alone, the resurrection of Christ, the gospel, monotheism, Jesus as the only way to salvation, Jesus' virgin birth, the doctrine of the Trinity, etc., etc., are contained within the doctrine of God's sovereignty. The only way to truly understand the doctrines presented in Scripture is by understanding the sovereignty of God. Everything is contained within God's sovereignty. God's glory, His sovereignty, is the line in the sand that separates the, the divine gospel of God from the worldly gospel of man. And that really gets to the reason why God's sovereignty And solid Christian doctrine is so rejected in the majority of the modern church because the majority of the modern church is humanistic and not godly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this uh, message today. I thank you personally for the opportunity to be able to preach your word. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, open stubborn minds and stubborn hearts and stubborn spirits that uh, rebel against these truths and that you would soften them. And enable him to absorb and to see and to be blessed with the light of these truths that are so comforting and so powerful and so awesome. Lord, uh, may your word go forth boldly. Uh, Just uh, guide us in the coming week. And I pray that you would open open doors of opportunity for the gospel as we move into this week. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Thank you for watching today, you guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. I forgot to do that earlier uh, when I got started. If you get a chance, please visit uh, elephantwalk.net. It is our business that we uh, started a year or so ago to help uh, support the work of the ministry. We've got some exciting new products that we'll be launching probably within about a week and a half, two weeks tops uh, that I think uh, you guys are really going to like. Uh, if you get a chance, visit elephantwalk.net. And if you decide to make a purchase, just type the way all lowercase, no spaces at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Uh, we need all the help we can get. Like I've said before, ever since the COVID debacle hit, uh, donations have dropped drastically. We are still blessed to have a few faithful uh souls, friends, and family that continue to support the ministry. So I'm continue able to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, I still want to get back to Kenya as soon as possible. And I get a feeling that they're going to drop the COVID restrictions there pretty quickly with what's happening around the world. Uh, so please pray about that. And, uh, if you get it, an opportunity, you can visit our website at The Way, the letter R122.org. You can listen to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just type The Way Radio in the search field, and we're on Rumble at The Way R122. Uh, If you feel called and you'd like to help support the ministry directly, please just visit The Way R122.org and visit the donate page. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. We will be back here, God willing, next Sunday. Same time, same place. 1 p.m. Mountain Time. God bless.